listening to Inside Healthy Teens by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. So welcome, everyone. Welcome to our webinar, uh, courtesy of Apricot Consulting, in partnership with our four amazing panellists today and, of course, Elmo, who we work closely with on a number of um, number of partnerships and we love to do webinars with as well. So we're really, really pleased to have you here today. I'm Lana Johnson. I'm part of the Apricot Consulting team. I'm the, I'm the head of organisational health, learning and development, leadership development. And I've joined the team just recently. It's a pleasure to be here as part of the team and we genuinely, genuinely care about actually making the world a better place through the work that we do and we do that um, both through our um, uh, corporate social procurement but also through the organisational development work we do with some incredible clients so really glad to be here as part of the team. Uh, on the topic of succession planning in 2021 and we're going to explore what succession planning looks like beyond 2021 as well so I'm really excited about this topic. Um, really, really pleased. Thank you so much to our panellists um, for coming along and, and taking an hour and a half out of their day to share their experiences with all of us so that we can learn from that because uh, if any of you are aware that um, there is a great resignation that's happening at the moment and multiple studies that I've looked at and Joel just gave me another one from Elmo's own research is that more 40% or more of people who are in the workforce are actually looking to switch jobs at the moment. So if you don't think succession planning should be top of your agenda and in your strategy and part of what you need to put time and resources into, please think again and consider it seriously because it really is a fantastic strategy for keeping your, particularly your high performers, those that are keen to continue to develop and grow in your business, keeping them engaged in your business. Um, and as Joel will share, you know, it is the question that's coming up even at interview stage today, which isn't, you know, that hasn't been what we've experienced in the past. You know, people are asking before they even come and get take the job is will my career be, be looked after? What are the opportunities available to me? So they're really looking for evidence that organisations are putting this first in terms of the employee experience but there's evidence that it's actually happening for them, for the career choices that they want to make. So today on the panel, we'll be speaking to Phil Thorne. Phil is the Chief, Chief Human Resources Officer at Monash University. Welcome, Phil. It's awesome to have you here. Thank you, Lana. Good to be here. Good to be here. I'm really looking forward to your experience from the higher education sector, but also further back in your career, you're also in public health. So you'll bring both of those perspectives to our conversation today, which is terrific. Um, and Phil, one of the last questions I'll be asking you is about succession planning in 2021 and beyond. And I know that you're a huge fan of Back to the Future <laughs> and love to hang out with futurists. So I'm really keen to hear what you've got to say about this topic. Welcome, Phil. Thank you. Nice to be here, Lana. Hello, everyone. Hello. So apart from being a huge fan of Back to the Future and the Doc, tell us a little bit about Philip. So, um, yeah, my name's Phil Vaughan. I'm the, the Chief HR Officer at Monash University. Um, uh, I, I am a failed um, punk rock drummer, so that was my first career. As <laughs> soon as we're, we're introducing the, the careers that we didn't have, um, yeah, I didn't become the musician that I thought I was going to be and I ended up becoming a head of HR. So there you go, interesting journey along the way. Um, I'm originally from uh, the UK and uh, my background initially was in public health, as you mentioned, Lana. 
Um, I, I then moved into human resources from an industrial perspective. So I studied law and um, I was in my early career involved in uh, industrial relations through trade union uh, trade unions in the UK. Uh, I then emigrated to Australia and uh, eventually uh, moved to the University of Queensland initially in, in industrial relations and then moving more into generalist HR roles. And now I'm at Monash after several roles here as well. And so Monash is um, Australia's largest university. We've got campuses in uh, in Suzhou in China, in Malaysia. Uh, we have um, just opened a new campus in Indonesia. We have a presence in India and also in Italy as well. So it's a, a large global university. And on top of that, I also have just recently become a board member of the Tom Bolo Academy, which is a, a specialist school for children uh, with a unique combination of abilities and challenges. So very much heavily invested in, in the education space. Fantastic. And it's great, you know, it's great to understand that, you know, we we if you're in, like for me in Melbourne, I understand Monash and, you know, I see the physical infrastructure here. You don't realise the global reach that some of our Australian universities have, such as Monash, which is just fantastic. So succession planning for you is actually across borders. It's not even just in Australia. You've got, you know, potentially different practices across different countries around the world, which is really fantastic. Mm. So, you know, on that, tell us a little bit about your own experiences of succession planning, both from a personal experience, but also, you know, as a leader uh, who no doubt has been the one to drive this in organisations. Yeah, it's, um, I'm not sure if there's anybody on this call who has either worked or does work in a university, but they're, they're quite unique places to work and, and particularly in relation to well, many things, but including succession planning. Um, and that's partly because we've got two distinct workforces we we have a sort of a professional staff workforce which is is very similar to what you would see in any organization we've got you know finance people hr people marketing people etc but then the academic workforce operates in a very different way to the to the professional workforce so um in terms of succession uh, unlike in the professional space where you you know a vacancy becomes available and and you then look to see who grows into that, that vacancy in the academic space. That does happen too, particularly in leadership positions, but um, individuals actually can grow their own career trajectory without actually technically changing roles. So the concept of academic promotion exists in universities where you, your early career starts off at what we would describe as a, a sort of a level A as assistant lecturer uh, all the way up to what we we call a level E professor, so um, you can you can progress from that uh, entry level role to that most senior professorial role, um, and and not move departments and not move universities and just stay in that. There's an annual process for assessment um, of promotion. So um, it's important to understand that in the context of universities because we have to support people. Uh, to progress their careers that way and make sure that we've got a good balance, a good workforce mix of very senior academics in their discipline versus more entry-level and junior academics, the right combination of, of research-intensive academics versus teaching and research academics, um, but also making sure that we can support people to then make that transition into an academic leadership position, which is if you if you think about it in terms of 
you know, you're you're constantly applying for your own funding for grants and things like that, which is very much focused in your field of work. To actually then become a leader in the academic space requires you to kind of pause some of your your work in that space, or at least slow down some of that work to take on a more of a, a, an administrative leadership position. So there's a number of um, challenges associated with managing those types of transitions. So that's that is really interesting. And one thing that struck me working with universities and there's two things. One is, as you've just described, you know, when you're thinking of succession planning uh, in the academic area of a university, they've got to have really good academic skills. They've got to have leadership capability. And then if they're ahead of a clinical school, they've also got to have great clinical expertise mm. and experience. And on top of that, Phil, in a lot of universities, if you are if you are ahead of a school, you've got 40 reports, essentially, that you're yeah. looking after, which is unheard of in a corporate sense. You know, we, there's the spans and layers that you try to achieve in a corporate world. It's just blown out of the water in university. So how do you find and groom and prepare candidates from a succession planning perspective when you've got that complexity and those challenges? What is it that has really worked in the universities that you've worked in and in particular in Monash? Yeah, and and I should say I was I think I mentioned the University of Queensland as well. And this this um, challenge around um, clinical academic leadership is 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 common across um, any university essentially that has a has a medical school or, or a, a health faculty. Um, and um, you know you're looking for people who are exceptionally rare. They're, they're people who need to hold the credibility in the clinical setting. So they need to be able to walk around a hospital and, and have the respect of their colleagues as a, a physician or whatever they may, may be doing, as well as um, being a, uh, a competent and globally recognised researcher in their field as well. And then we want them to be able to read a balance sheet and balance the budget and do all the other kind of common leadership things. They're very, very hard uh, people to find. And uh, and I think building off the discussion already, we, we have to um, make some strategic choices about whether that is a role that we would build somebody into that succession plan or whether we... we we accept early that actually that that is somebody that, that we would need to replace by going to market. But in doing that, I think it's important to mention that um, academic um, leaders are actually extremely attuned to the talent market um, that they work in typically. And um, so even though uh, the person who who that that clinical head reports to who might be at risk of leaving, that person may not have somebody internally that we can call upon to step up into that role immediately, but they would have a pretty good view of what's happening across Australia in, in commensurate organisations or globally. And sometimes the preparation for that succession is an external succession, but those conversations have started perhaps you know two years prior and it's when the time is right for that individual to to make that transition into into the organisation. So that is an excellent point, Phil, because I think a lot of organisations, when they think of succession planning, they're looking purely internally. 
However, what I'm hearing you say is that we look internally, but often we've actually also got to look externally because we just can't find that really unique talent and skill and experience internally. But that's part of succession planning for you at Monash. And that's, you know, a key choice. And it takes years. It takes years. Yeah, particularly in those hard-to-find roles, uh, hard-to-fill yeah. roles. But c- certainly we... Um, we absolutely want to grow our people internally and prepare them. And we've got lots of um, development programs and emerging academic leader programs and support to progress. Um, But, but we know that um, there are, there are certain positions where uh, it's for whatever reason, we just haven't been able to kind of build that pipeline internally. And, um, you know, most, particularly if we're making an international appointment, which, you know, we have still been able to make a few of, during the pandemic, but been significantly constrained in that environment, which I think leads on to the last question that you have um, towards the end of this, Lana. But um, we uh, we know that the lead-in time to bring somebody into, you know, particularly an academic clinical leadership position could be you know, 12 months. So we we have to to build that into, into the timeframes. And so in, in doing that, we oh. might give somebody the opportunity to act in an interim on an interim basis to start building their leadership capabilities and things as well. So brilliant. So that's part of your succession planning development is those interim step up acting roles essentially to give them a chance mm. to develop skills. Because you know, going from an academic, even a senior academic, into a head of school is a massive, massive step. So thinking forward and you know into further into 2021 and beyond, and you're talking about, you know, looking forward, the challenge may continue. What does really good succession planning look like at Monash into the future? Yeah, I think um I would echo just the comments made already, it has to be driven by the strategy. Um, and I think if you're, if, if it is just becomes a sort of a tick box exercise, then, you know, it's not going to have an awful lot of value. And I think from our perspective, and again, if I focus in on the academic workforce, um, I think it's, we, we have, faculties or clients across our organization that are varying levels of maturity in this space some some are very interested engaged and want to map this all out see the whole picture they want dashboards you know when this person's ready and 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 to see the whole thing laid out and then there are others that wouldn't see the value in going to that level of detail but are actually um not necessarily any less engaged they're just thinking about it in a different way and so because of the nature of um, the divulged structures in universities where faculties, you know, have a lot of operational um, autonomy, I think it's really important that the approach that human resources takes to succession planning kind of is customised and tailored to suit the needs of, of the area. Ideally, you'd all be working off a single kind of system and being able to report centrally on on, on succession planning. But in reality, at least at the stage of maturity that um, I think we're at at the moment, we're introducing succession planning in a way that is meaningful for the local areas. Otherwise, um, it's hard to get traction, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, Phil, any last words of recommendation to the others listening in in terms of some really, you know, whether, whether it be practical or tips or insights for our audience what's one last comment you'd like to leave them with um 
I think again, making making things relevant um, for the client, keeping it linked to the strategy, um, ensuring that uh, you know you're assessing people who are in that kind of high performing, high potential area, but also assessing their risk of departure and then what the impact of that risk might be. And I think that helps you quickly get to the point of uh, making some strategic choices about where you put your effort into which roles to to properly plan for. That would probably be my... Fantastic. Because let's face it, we've all got limited resources and time and we we sometimes have to be quite, um, quite intentional about where we put them. Thank you so much, Phil. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful. And if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.